we are going to go into uh, our scripture reading today, uh, and it comes from John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. We're going to read the, the, this this morning in the ESV. Uh, there are ESV Bibles in your pews. Uh, you can look that up in your own Bible or Bible app. We will also project it behind me. And for those who are joining us at home, sometimes it is kind of hard to read on the screen, and so you may want to look that scripture up. Again, it is John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. We ask that you please stand as able for the reading of God's word. If you're comfortable doing that, uh, for those at home, you don't have to do it, but you could if you wanted to. So may the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. It is my pleasure to introduce our retreat speaker, uh, who's a very dear friend of LGM. Uh, she was an, a, a member of LGM uh, up to the, this, this past year, and now she is in uh, Long Island and uh, serving at a church. Uh, I think it's called New York Long Island, or New York Plainview, UMC. Yeah, <laughs> and she's the children's pastor there. And uh, Sophia is somebody that uh, we thought of for this retreat because we've been talking about going deeper. And she is somebody who I think really has a, a sense of the presence of God about her, that, that, uh, that she, she is somebody who, who, who wants to live for the Lord and, uh, uh, you know, knows uh, about the Holy Spirit through uh, her many experiences and missions and, you know, uh, in worship and so many things. And she's just a, a really deep soul, even though she's young. You know, as it says, uh, uh, as Paul said to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set the example for people in godliness, in all these ways that we live for God. And I feel like Sophia's doing that. And, you know, we were, it was just such an honor, uh, such a blessing to have her speak. Um, you know, I, I want to encourage you, if you didn't get a chance to go to the retreat, to talk to some people who did. Um, it was just such a blessing. Um, just really, you know, the presence of God and people encountering God and the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, we, we just had such a blessed time. So I was really excited for this morning you know, for her to share uh, for all of us. And so uh, without further ado, let's welcome Sophia. Let's pray one more time just to open up the time of the word. Father, I thank you that, Father, just for every little thing that we forget to give thanks to you, um, yeah, Lord, we just lift up our gratitude to you for getting us safely to the retreat, uh, for protecting all the drivers and the cars and getting us back here safely, Father. And yeah, I thank you that this retreat was 
so intentional and planned by you, Lord, and that, Father, you have carried us until this point, Lord. God, I pray as we finish off the retreat and as we go back into our homes and into our respective places on campus, Lord, may we not forget the blessings that you have given us. And God, may it increase, Lord. May it increase 30 and 60, 100-fold, Lord, that, Father, that we would be people that walk by faith and not by sight, God. So, Father, we love you and we lift this time up to you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is really loud. Okay. Anyways. Um, hi, guys. I feel like most of you guys I was just at the retreat with. But for those who don't know me, my name is Sophia. Um, I graduated from UMish last May. Um, and right now, yeah, I'm back in New York. I'm starting to become a nurse, but also um, doing ministry as a children's pastor. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's go back into the word. Um, I wanted to. I wanted us to read Matthew twenty six sixty nine to seventy five to kind of give context more for the passage that we read in John. So it's Matthew twenty six, verse sixty nine to seventy Matthew 26, verse 69 to 75, and it says this. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and swore to them. I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So this passage happened before the passage that we read in John 21. So for context, Jesus goes, before Jesus goes to the cross to be crucified, he tells Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, Jesus, I would never deny you. Like, let me, like, yeah, Peter was so adamant that he will never deny Jesus. But as Jesus said, when Jesus was on that cross, and when Jesus was being arrested, and he was, you know, being crucified, Peter disowns Jesus three times. And what happens after Jesus resurrects from the dead, and he appears before his disciples and he he appears to like the 500 people as we talked about in the retreat but he appears to peter as well but after he appears to peter he he comes again to the disciples and that's where we are at with john 21 so yeah to give more context of john 21 before this conversation between jesus and peter happens where when jesus asked peter's son simon son of john do you love me more than these right before that happens peter is out in the boat and he's catching fish and peter before he met jesus so before he even became a disciple of jesus his occupation was a fisherman so that was like what he was used to that was his like identity his like whole career but after he met Jesus and Jesus said, follow me, Peter and like all the disciples, they dropped everything to follow Jesus. But what's interesting is that 
after Jesus resurrects and appears to Peter, Peter goes back to his occupation or back to what he is used to of catching fish. And some people believe that Peter, that the fact that Peter went back to fishing, right, was a sign, it was like a compromise that he makes. That he, Peter was one of like the closest friends of Jesus. He walked by Jesus and yeah, I feel like we all know the story. Like Peter walks on water with Jesus. Peter was so close to Jesus. And there's like that one part of the Bible where Jesus, like where Peter's like, Jesus, like who do you love most out of all the disciples? Like, like Peter loved Jesus and Peter followed Jesus. Um, but I, but Peter disowns Jesus three times, even though Jesus told him that he would. And I can't imagine like the guilt and the shame that he must have been in. And some people believe, like some theologians believe that Peter went back into fishing because he had, he carried such a shame and a guilt that he denied Jesus, that even after Jesus resurrected and appeared before Peter again, that that guilt and shame kept him from actually like living out the calling that Jesus had for Peter. And so people believe that that the fact that Peter went back to fishing, that it was his compromise. And it was his way of just going back to the thing that he was used to, going back to his former occupation. And it was, it could also be seen almost as an attitude of disobedience because Jesus clearly commands, go make disciples of all nations, like follow me. But Peter goes back to fishing, which is not making disciples of all nations, right? And yeah, and I feel like I love this passage because I see myself in it all the time. I feel like even after Jesus makes so many, like he creates so many testimonies in my life over and over again, sometimes it's so easy for me to just fall back into my old habits and my old cycles of living because I'm like, this is what I'm used to. And I feel so much shame and I can't break out of that. And yeah, but what Jesus does for Peter it says, like, in the title, is Jesus reinstates Peter. And Jesus even, like, he's so humble. He literally resurrected from the dead. He, like, overcame the grave. He, like, defeated sin, and he's out here making breakfast for his disciples. Jesus, like, cooks fish, and he says, come and eat breakfast with me. But during this time, as they eat breakfast, Jesus has a conversation with Peter. And he says this, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And it's interesting that he uses the word Simon, son of John, instead of Peter. Because Simon was like the name that Peter had before. But as, as Peter began to walk with Jesus, the name that they would use to reference him was Peter. So Peter was like the nickname that he had with Jesus or the name that he had with Jesus that indicated like their closeness. Like, I think of an example. Actually, just kidding. It's not that <laughs> All right, anyways. Um, yeah, so, but instead of saying Peter, right, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And I feel like as he said that, Peter's heart probably was like stabbed. Like, I know exactly what he's talking about. Like, he's not calling me the endearing name that he used to call me, but he's calling me Simon, son of John. Like, I don't know. For example, like, like it's really bad. So like Gina, like I have a nickname for her, right? But it's, and that indicates my level of closeness. I can't say what the nickname is, but it indicates like my closeness with her, right? But if let's say like she really wronged me, and I'm like Gina Park, 
Like, do you like? And I reference her as Gina Park. I'm sure she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like that, I'm, I have, like I'm angry at her, and I'm putting distance between us. But that's not what Jesus is doing. But I believe, like that's, that's a component to why he's saying, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? But Peter is saying, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus replies, Feed my lambs. And Jesus again says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. And this, Peter knew at this moment that Jesus asked him three times because Peter denied him three times. And Peter's response is this, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else would dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. So Peter was aware that Jesus knew. Like Jesus knew everything that was in his heart, including the fact that Peter loved Jesus. And that's why the shame was so much deeper. For me, like when I would live in sin before I actually knew like the love of God, sin for me was just like, just, it was, it didn't seem that bad. And I I remember I grew up in church, like learning, I need God. I need Jesus because I'm a sinful person. But for me, I was like, yeah, but how bad can it be? Like how bad can lying really be? How bad can like drinking really be? And like, maybe when I hurt other people, I'm like, oh, I, I, I can see why my sin is so bad. But that depth of that understanding of sin for me was not there. But I believe like after God really encountered me and I started to see so clearly the cross and I saw so clearly like what it took for every single sin, including every judgmental thought I had, every time I like dishonored my parents, every one of my sin and what it did to Jesus, like my, my hatred towards my sin grew. And the fact that I continue to sin, even after knowing those things, it would break me every single time. And it would, it would be just, I don't know, like it would just hold me down so much more. But what Jesus does to Peter, he doesn't ask like, why did you deny me three times? It's not like, will you, will, are you, like, will you never do it again? Or like, he's not condemning Peter. But what Jesus is doing to Peter is he's giving him an opportunity to redeem the mistakes that Peter had made. That Peter denied him three times, even though Peter was one of the closest disciples of Jesus. Even though Peter knew so, like, he walked with Jesus so closely and he still denied him. But Jesus knew I believe Jesus knew like how much it was tearing down Peter to the fact that maybe that made him go back to his old ways. But Jesus gives Peter the opportunity to redeem by asking him three times, like, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I believe Jesus knew that Peter really did love Jesus. And Jesus, when he's doing this, and I, I believe that this is what Jesus does for me as well and for all of us. That we, I've, all of us have, we, we all know of Jesus. And I believe so many of us have encountered the love of God, not just in this passage, but throughout our whole lives. Like if we look back at our lives, there's so many instances of God's faithfulness in our lives and encounters that we've had with Jesus. But some of us are so quick to forget it and to start going back to our old ways and our old cycles. 
And I don't know about you guys, but coming back on campus, like, I don't know if you guys started to feel kind of like hopeless again, like, oh, we're back. Like, I got so blessed, but like, we're back. And I'm already thinking like, what's on my Google calendar for tomorrow? Like, I'm already thinking like, how am I going to like, I, I have a desire in my heart to grow with God. But now that I'm back in this place, like, I feel like I'm just back where I was before retreat. Like, that's how I felt moving back to New York. I, I was not in New York for five years. And when I was living in New York in high school, I had so many bad habits. Like I was, I cursed so much. Like I had, I was just living in so much sin. And I don't know if it's New York, but it just brings out anger in me. Like I was taught as a middle schooler that if a creep is looking at you on the subway, you stare back until they look away. And so it taught me this like fighting spirit that I have to always defend myself. And so like in high school, like if someone like picked a fight with me, I would like fight back because I was like in New York, you're just taught you can't be weak. So it brings out like this anger in me. And when I moved to Michigan, everyone here is so soft. Everyone here is like so gentle and like sweet that I became like I remember when I would talk to people in the Midwest they would be like they thought I would be angry so I remember I was like I have to tone down the way I talk like I have to change the way I talk because it's just not loving and in New York like we flame each other if you love them but in the east in like the Midwest if you flame someone like they'll cry so I remember I was like okay I can't joke the same way like I, I started to change and I liked that change in me like I liked how like gentle I became I liked how I started to like I never said sorry in my life, but I start to say sorry in Michigan. I like, <laughs> like I, used to, I stopped cursing because I was like, yeah, I stopped cursing and like I became, and it's all tied because at the same time I was like really encountering the Lord and he was convicting me, right? But, and I was like, I love who I'm becoming. Like, yes, God is changing me so much, you know? And I go on missions, on missions, I can't even fathom cursing on missions. And I, I was just like growing and growing and growing. But then when I moved back to New York, all these old habits start to come back up again. Not that I start like cursing every single sentence, but like so, like slowly words would come out. Like there was like a homeless guy when I got, was in New York. Like I was on the train and this homeless guy came and like tried to like like pick a like I don't know, he wasn't picking a fight with me, but he's like like touching and stuff like that. And I remember I like had to curse him off. But I remember after that I was like that was so easy. It's like so easy to, for me to just go straight back to who I was before I really like started walking with the Lord. And it's those little compromises that slowly start to harden your heart and it turns into bigger and bigger compromises. Like for me, like I shared yesterday, like ministry for me was not what I expected. I expected like so much fruit and an abundance, right? But for it, ministry for me was two three-year-olds. And there were so many times when I would be like talking to these three-year-olds and this one girl, like the main girl that I take care of, I'm like, I remember one time I was like, her name was Ruby. I was like, Ruby, like who's Jesus? And she was like, my friend. And I was like, oh, like I'm so touched. Like she said, Jesus is my friend. But then I was like, who am I, Ruby? And she's like, my friend. And I'm like, okay, Ruby, like, how about this person? Who's this person? She's like, my friend. And I'm like, she like, does not understand a single thing. And I remember I was like, as my heart started to kind of become more like, you know, like kind of bitter, not bitter, but like kind of questioning God. And I, I started to, and as I saw like my old habits in New York coming back up again, a big part of me just was like let down by myself. 
I was really let down by myself. And that disappointment ended up in me, like kind of hardening my heart more and just compromising more in my sins. And it wasn't even like these grand sins, right? But it's just little by little, I saw how easy it is for my heart to become okay with sin again. And I forgot that. And this past, a few weeks ago, like I was at this retreat and I was praying. And I remember God was saying, Sophia, your heart is so numb. Like your heart has been so hardened to me. And he showed me the feet of Jesus again. He reminded me like the feet of Jesus that was covered with all these scars and all these bruises and the holes that, that are on his feet. And that that is the weight of my sin. He reminded me once again, like what the weight of my sin is. And he asked me this question, Sophia, do you love me? And I was just a, I just started bawling because I felt like Peter. Like, God, you did so much in my life, but I'm so quick to turn away. God, you did so much in my life, even in this, even in such a short time of five years. You literally took me all over the world. You showed me so much of your grace. But just because I'm back in New York and I was so weak in my, like my flesh was so too strong. It was so quick for me to just go back to my old ways. But I remember he asked me, do you love me? And I was like, of course I love you. Jesus, you know that I love you. And I'm so disappointed in myself because you, I know how much I love you, but I'm not meeting that expectation of showing you how much I love you. And I was like, God, just call me to like Thailand to become a missionary and let me show you how much I love you. Like I'll drop everything. And that was like my heart. But God was, God was like, no, I want you here. And I want to walk with you. And I want to teach you how you can love me. And yeah, I feel like as we come back to Ann Arbor, I feel like the word that God has for us is that he is with us. And that as we come back and there's battles that we face here, right? There's the point of retreat is that you get away. Like the retreat is to like go away from everything. And so it's easy for us to be very sober minded of where we are at. But as we come back into the place of all of our struggles right now, there there are going to be battles that we have to face here. Just like for me, like when I was not in New York, I thought I was good. And in Michigan, like I was growing. But as I come back to New York, God was just teaching me like, these are the battles that you have to face here in New York. And I, for me, it's, difficult and i feel like a lot of us are like this we have a perfectionist mentality like i'm such a perfectionist but it really shows in my laziness which is really weird to understand but for me like for example when i was growing up i was always like this but when i was growing up i used to dance it's really embarrassing but i used to dance and I was actually not bad as a kid. <laughs> um, yeah, I was actually not bad as a kid. But I remember when people started dancing better than me, I was like, oh my, I quit dancing. I don't like it anymore. I remember like, I also used to swim. I was like a competitive swimmer and I did like synchronized swimming and I was really good because I was, I grew up in California. So I was, I was always like top in my team. But when people started growing taller than me and stronger than me and they would start beating me, I was like, oh my, I quit. I don't want to swim anymore. And I feel like that perfectionist mentality is still so deeply ingrained in me. And I see it in my relationship with God. So I remember when I was on the mission field, I'm like, God, I'm going to live all out for you. I'm going to live like read 10 
chapters a day in the Bible. Like, I'm going to pray this many times. Like, I'm going to do all these things for you. But the moment I come back to my reality and I can't even do like 1% of what I told God I would do, I just quit. Like, I, I don't think I can do it. But I, God is breaking that in me because he, he's showing me like he doesn't need. Sorry, backtrack. Yeah, God is breaking that in me because he's showing me that all of my sins are able to be redeemed by him. And he's showing me that he doesn't want perfectionism. He's not like a God who I used to think he was a God who gave me an exam paper, asked me to solve it, and then I give it back to him. But he was like, Sophia, if I give you a, an exam or like a task, I want to do it with you. Like I want to walk with you through it so that you are able to complete it. But I'm not giving you these tasks. That you, I'm testing to see how well you do it. But I'm giving these tasks to you for me to walk with you through it. And I remember he gave me this image of like, it was here in LGM that actually he spoke this to me. But I remember like he showed me as like a little kid and God was this like father that was building a house. And I was this little kid that was like so frustrated because I couldn't like properly like help him build the house. But I'm like a child. And God was like, my expectation is not for you as a kid to build this whole house for me. But what I want is I want to like, I want you to make a mess of this house, like paint, like however you can in your capacity, like bring whatever you can. Like I want to, I want to walk with you in the process of building this house together. And he showed me like, like handprints, like two handprints on the, the finished house. And it was God's handprints. And all the way in the bottom was my teeny little handprints. And he was like, that's what makes me proud that you invite me into the process of your growth and your life and that we get to do something together. And so, yeah, I feel that God is speaking to us right now in that, that I believe Jesus wants to reinstate a lot of us. And I feel like during the retreat, maybe a lot of us came to recognize like our sins and our brokenness and maybe even the ways that we have betrayed Jesus in our hearts and through our actions. And yeah, I want us to really fight against that feeling of hopelessness because Jesus is not asking us like, okay, now that you're back in Ann Arbor, let's see how well you do. Like, okay, now that you're back in Ann Arbor, like, let's see how well you, like, apply the things I told you during retreat. But I feel like he's really trying to tell us and speak to us that I'm with you in your rooms. I'm with you in your dorms. Like, I see everything, and I still love you. And what I'm asking is that you invite me into that space. And it says in the word, like, pray unceasingly. And that was something that I used to never do. I only pray, like, right before an exam, like, God, let me get an A. Or, like, when I lose something, like, God, help me to fight, you know? But I remember, like, when I started to, like, speak to him, I just started speaking to him on campus. And I would be walking down the street, and I forgot what I was listening to. I think I was listening to Joy to the World, but it was, like, summertime. I don't know why I was listening to Joy to the World. But I remember I was listening to Joy to the World, and I just started to weep because I was, like, Oh my gosh, the sky is so beautiful. Like the trees are literally worshiping God right now. And I just felt his presence on campus. It was like where Angelo's is. And I was like, God, you're here. Like you're here in Ann Arbor. And 
there was another time like he oh i was right before i left for like my year of missions i was walking i used to live in walnut and i was walking down that street from walnut like right across the street from vertex and i remember like i was just like just like god i'm so excited to i i was like was right before my gap year of going on missions and he just like stopped me and he was like sophia i'm so excited to spend this year with you and i started bawling on that corner right in front of vertex and i was like man like god is everywhere and god is desiring to speak to me but it's me that wasn't listening and it's me that didn't was not able to actually see that and so yeah for today like that was kind of the heart that god gave me for us and i think one thing about this passage is that when he says simon do you love me and peter replies like yes lord you know i love you jesus is not just like okay that's enough he says feed my lambs and he says take care of my sheep and jesus says feed my sheep and peter had a calling over his life before peter denies jesus it's crazy like jesus asked peter like Peter, who do you say that I am? And he and Peter says, "You are the Christ, you are Christ, the Son of the Living God." And at that time, the fact that Peter knew that Jesus was the Messiah was crazy because no one knew that Jesus was the Messiah. That the Old Testament prophets all prophesied that, like basically in the Old Testament, when the Israelites were under captive of Babylon, like Isaiah the prophet prophesied that there was going to be a, a messiah that brings the israelites out of exile and that they would be that he would be their savior right and he they basically like jesus is prophesied in isaiah and so all the israelites still during this time when jesus was there they were still waiting for the messiah and it's crazy because the jewish people now are still waiting for that messiah and this is exciting now but i live in new york and there's so many jewish people like on saturdays and like you can tell who's Jewish. Like they have like, they're Orthodox Jews. Like they have like that black hat and like, but when I look at them, I'm like, the Bible is real. Because when you ask a Jewish person, like who, like, like which tribe of Jacob are you descending? Like, are you a descendant of? They're able to tell you like in the old Testament, there's the 12 tribes, right? And they are able to connect their lineage back to the people, like to those tribes. And I look at the Jewish people and I'm so amazed. Like, they're living proof of the Old Testament. And so even at this time, like, the Israelites were still waiting for a Messiah. But the fact that Peter was able to know that Jesus is the son of the living God, the Messiah, for Jesus, for Jesus it showed, like, his faith. And for Peter, for, yeah, it showed Peter's faith to Jesus. And Jesus answers him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Peter's awareness of Jesus as the Messiah was revealed to him by God. And he says this, And I tell you, Peter, you are, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be, shall be loosed in heaven. That's crazy. If Jesus is like, Chihan, I give you the keys of heaven. Like, that's such a crazy, like, calling over someone's life, right? Like, what does that even mean? Like, the fact that 
Jesus told Peter that on this rock, I will build my church. He sets, he shows Peter that Peter was created with a purpose and create, and Peter has a des, like a calling to fulfill that he will be the rock on which Jesus builds the church and that he will have the keys of heaven. But I believe like Simon, like Peter heard this, right? Like I'm sure he was like so happy and like, I, I I only imagine him like going to the other disciples and being like, yeah, you heard that? Like Jesus told me like, I'm going to, like, he's going to build the church like through me. But, but so Peter knew his calling, but after he said, like, he betrayed Jesus three times and denied him three times, even though he knew this calling that he had, he still went back to his old ways of being a fisherman. And I believe for some of us, like we have, all of us, we have a calling through Jesus we have a purpose. In the word, it says that we are co-heirs and lab- co-laborers with Christ. Like as Christians, we are called to be co-heirs and co-laborers with Christ. Like that's so crazy to me. It's not just the pastors, you are co-heirs and co-laborers with Christ. Just the leaders, you are co-heirs and co-laborers. But every person, and it says in John 8, if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And I believe that for all of us here, and I remember just being like a member at a church, and it was so easy to just receive. It was so easy for me to just like do the bare minimum of getting dressed and getting ready to go to church, just sitting down, hearing the word, getting blessed, and then going back home. And I remember thinking like, God, is this it? Is this like my purpose to be someone who just goes to church? And I've started like going to small group and I was just a small group member. I would just like hear from my small group leaders, you know, and not that that is a bad thing, but I believe that there's something so much more that God has in store for us because he calls us co-heirs with Christ, like co-meaning like co-workers, right? You're on the same like level like jesus desires to share that inheritance that he has with us and so yeah i believe that there's also like i want to challenge you guys as you go back to ann arbor and as you guys go back not to ann arbor but in ann arbor like as you guys go back to campus like ask of the lord like what are you asking me how do you want to use me like what is the calling you have for me because god i you know my heart that i love you and I believe Jesus is saying that he knows that you guys love him. He knows your heart of that you really love him. And he is asking, like, he's asking us to feed his lambs, to tend to his sheep, to join him as co-heirs and co-laborers with Christ. Because it says in the word that one day when we stand before the throne, that we're going to have to give an account before God of everything that we did. And it's not that Jesus is going to be pointing out like you did this wrong, like you did that wrong. But with what we were given here on earth, we have to give an account before Jesus of how we lived our lives for him and to glorify him in his kingdom. And I remember reading that being like, God, like I want to be able to say like not out of pride, like I did all these things. But God, I really want to be able to say that I live my life for you. God, I don't want to like be rich and have all these things in this life and then stand before you and be so ashamed. 
Like, God, I, I want to be able to stand before you and be able to know you as the person I talk to every single day on this earth. And I want to be able to say that I was all out for you. And I was so tired with the way I was just giving the bare minimum to God. And I remember, I knew in my heart, like, I loved God and he deserved so much more. But I was out here just giving the bare minimum. And a part of it was fear. Like, wholeheartedness for me is kind of scary because when you're wholehearted towards something, you're so vulnerable. Like, especially, like, I know we're all at the age where we're, like, dating. Or, like, we're trying to, like, I don't know, try to be in a relationship. But it's so scary to give your all to a, one person in a relationship. Because if that person leaves like that, like, it's so hard. It hurts so much, right? And so I believe, like, a lot of us, as a defense mechanism or as a protection, we, we hold back a lot from God. But I think if there's any person that we can be wholehearted towards, it's Jesus. Because in the Word, it says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it says in the Word that God says, fear not, for I will be with you. And Jesus, it's a promise that he, is, that he will be with us to the very end. And so for us, like, I believe God is really trying to call us into a life of obedience and wholeheartedness. But he wants us to trust him. And he wants us to grow in our love for him. And yeah, I know I talked about like serving him. How can I serve him? And I, be I believe like it doesn't have to be through a position or a title. Those are avenues that you can go to serve him. But I, the, the ways that God called me to serve was to love people in my life that were unlovable. It was to love my parents. It was to like do the dishes for them, to honor them. For me, like showing my love for God was to obey him. And, and even the smallest of things of like picking up trash when no one is looking. Because I know that God's looking at me. And even like tithing and offering, I used to be so stingy with my money. I low-key still am. But the way that God was challenging me was like, God, Sophia, do you know I see you? Like, will you give up your... I had a big idol of money. Because I grew up so poor. My dad's a pastor. My family was so broke. And I was like, God, my, like, my prayer going, come, like really committing to him was like, God, don't make me broke. God, like, please, like that's the one thing. Please don't make me live poor. But... When he was like pointing at the idol of money, he's like, Sophia, I see your heart that you love me. Can I teach you how to love me by showing you what it looks like to surrender? And even that looked like tithing for me. So yeah, serving doesn't have to be through a position. It's in the capacity that God has given to you, how you use it to glorify him. And but before you go and serve, there's a step right before. And, and this is something that I really had to learn because when I, I get so hyped up by like doing things for God, because I feel like that proves to him how much I love him. Like, God, I'm going to, what do I do? Like, yeah, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and that's going to show you how much I love him. It even shows in my prayer. Like a few months ago, someone told me about this missionary who dropped everything and went to Thailand to build an orphanage. And I was like, God, I'll do that. Let me drop everything. Call me and I'll go. Because do you know how much I love you? And I want to show you through my actions. But I remember God was like, that's not how you show me that you love me. It's not about how extreme you are, but it's about the little things that's actually hard for you and the way you grow through that and you walk with me through it, that I know you love me. And it's not, sorry, retract. It's not the things that you do, but I already know right now how much you love me. And I, that's all that I care about. And so, yeah, I, something that I really had to learn 
is that before my role is to go and serve others, my first and foremost priority is to love on God, is to love on Jesus, and is to minister to Jesus. And I remember in church, like, we always talk about, like, when God pours into me, I'm like a cup and it overflows to other people. But it's missing this step that before anything, before I'm anyone, that I am a daughter of God. And my first and foremost job is to minister to him and is to speak to him. And I remember like, and I just, I thought about like my friendships, right? Like if I'm out here, like, like showing off my friends, like, oh my God, like these are my best friends and like we do everything together. But when it's just me and them and I'm just like on my phone, like I'm not really talking to them. Then like it, it really, sh- like it shows, you know? And I believe that like, God, more than like what outward appearance looks like, he wants to start and begin with the inside. And I love retreats. I love missions, but I don't see it as like what sustains me. And I, I, started to think of it as like a vacation that I go with God. Like when, when I'm in a, not really, okay, when I'm with my friends, right? And we go, like some of us, we used to go to Hawaii a lot. But when we go to Hawaii and we're like, it's so easy for us to feel so close. And like we have so much fun together. But that's not what sustains our relationship. It's not like every time we like fight, like, okay, let's just go to Hawaii. Like, let's fix everything and we'll come back, right? But what really defines and marks our friendship is the way that we love each other in the day to day. Like in here in Ann Arbor, like I would get so lazy, but like, okay, in the snow, if it, like, if I have to walk through the snow to like get to this friend's house and just spend time with her, then I'll do it. Cause that for me is like, that's how I grow in my, in my love for this friend. And so I believe like God took us on like a great journey in this retreat, but I feel like he's really pointing us back to the fact that he wants to grow us and love on us and speak to us. And he wants us to minister to him even in our rooms, even when no one is looking in the secret place. And I wanted to read Matthew 5, and it says this, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him and i love this chapter because god really highlighted this to me during covid because i came back from missions and i like i said like we were all so hyped up after ease and we were like james quag is here but like michigan and msu we were like let's fight for michigan like midwest is gonna get a revival but i remember god like god pulled us all away because of covid and he pointed me to this and he was saying sophia it, what matters most is what you do in secret. Like what matters most is what you do when no one else is looking. Like how you devote yourself to me is what matters. And so, yeah, I remember like I read this and I really was able to apply it during COVID. And man, this secret place, guys, is so good. Like there's nothing that compares. Like, you know how like even at retreat, like we feel the presence of God, but that same presence wants to meet us in our rooms. And I would have crazy revelations on missions, right? I would like experience the love of God, but I had even crazier encounters with God when I was alone in my room. 
Because that same presence that we are able to get into during retreat because our hearts are so hungry and willing, that same presence wants to meet us in our rooms. And that same presence wants to tend to our hearts. And it's in those times, in the secret place, as we are ministered to by Jesus, we minister back to him. And we say, Jesus, I love you. Like, Jesus, thank you for everything that you do. Jesus, thank you for your grace. And you, as you minister back to him, your heart and your desire to minister to other people start to grow. It's like a natural overflow. And it says in Matthew 7, like, a good tree, you know a good tree by its fruits. Like, a bad tree cannot bear good fruits. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruits. And in the same way for all of us, as we love on Jesus and as we love on others, there will be fruits in our life. Like, I remember I, I like, during Eid, like, my very first Eids, I was, okay, I'm naturally so shy. Not shy, but reserved. Like, I, I grew up Presbyterian, so raising our hands was unheard of in worship. And, like, I'm just so reserved because I'm so conscious of what other people think of me. And, you know, like, during retreat when everyone's, like, doing deep cries out and everyone's jumping in the front, I was always in the back. And I remember I was, like, I was just, like, so conscious of like what someone would think of me how I look to people but I remember like well as I start to love Jesus I was like I don't care I can be a fool for Jesus like I me dancing to worship was such a big like milestone for me because I was and I experienced so much freedom of worship through that but I remember this one like eats that I went on in Mexico and <laughs> there was like a we had a fire camp and there's a fire camp and the topic of like the conversation was like give your testimony and they did not clarify that it was a testimony of what God did to you during the mission trip so I went up and I shared like my deepest darkest secret out because I was like God revealed this to me and he's healing me of it and I shared my deepest like my innermost like the thing that was really holding me down like this guilt that I was carrying for so long and I just shared it and then after I shared it the like one of the leaders was like uh, we didn't talk, we weren't talking about that kind of testimony. Like we're talking about like an Eats testimony. And I remember I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed right now. Like I just exposed myself to like 40 people, half of who I don't know. But I remember God was like, Sophia, I saw that. Like Sophia, I saw your heart and I was looking at, and I'm so pleased that you would confess like that. And I'm so pleased that you're allowing me to really heal this part of your heart. And I remember I was like, dang, like that's all I need. But even after I share, like later, I, I was so, I was like embarrassed because I was also like, dang, like, well, why did I share, you know? But later, so many people came up to me and they were like, Sophia, actually like the thing you shared started something in me. Like the thing you shared, it actually started a process of me reflecting and it brought up deep, like hidden sins in my own heart that I was trying to hide for so long. And I was like, dang, like I did the wrong thing of sharing the wrong type of testimony. But even that, like God used in, to bless someone else's life. And in the same way, it's as you walk with God and as you love on the Lord, he starts to bring fruits in your life that you don't even know. Like he describes it as like you just throw seeds and you don't even know, but there's like fruit that starts growing out of the seeds that you throw. And But it also says in the word, like the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And I believe a lot of, there's, there's such few labors because so many of us are holding back from God. We're keeping him at a distance because we're not, we're too scared of being wholehearted for him. We're too scared of going all out for him. But 
the harvest is plentiful. And as you take steps of courage to say, yes, God, I will serve you in this way. Yes, God, I will obey you in this way. And as you spend that time in the secret place and you go deeper with him and he convicts your heart more and more to do the things of his will, fruits just starts popping up and you don't even know how. Like, I don't even know you, but God used me and my testimony to bless you. And it's so crazy because like the things that I most, I was most ashamed of, like as I shared during retreat, like my long addiction to pornography, I was so ashamed of it. But now as I start using, like God made that into a testimony of how you redeemed me. And as I start to share that, there's so many sisters that started to like get blessed through that. And they start to be able to like expose the hidden sins in their own hearts. I'm like, God, you make something that was so ugly in me, so beautiful. And I remember I was just like, dang, like, I just feel like I'm just giving the smallest yes to God and he's just taking it so much greater than I could ever imagine. Yeah. And so I wanted to close with all of us reading Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. And if I could get praise to you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. 1 to 12, 1 to 12. And it says this, Therefore we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, that you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your, your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Yeah, let's close our eyes. There's like an Instagram. I've, God's really been speaking me through Instagram. Praise God, because I've been so addicted to it recently. But there's like a quote on Instagram that was like really stuck with me. And it said this, that God does not want employees, but he wants lovers. That Jesus 
does not need another person to labor for his kingdom without his love. But Jesus wants lovers, people who are so in love with Jesus that the natural fruit and the natural effect of their love is hard, like is fruit for the for the kingdom. And yeah, I find so much comfort in the fact that when Jesus looks at me, he factored like this is another Instagram post, but it said when God gave you his like a calling, he factored in your stupidity. And I was like so comforted by that because I, I was so used to like feeling like people have such high expectations of me. I set such high expectations for myself. I remember one time I was taking my ACT and I didn't study and I got disappointed when I got like a mid score. But how can I be disappointed if I didn't put in the work, right? But I feel like a lot of us set such high like expectations for ourselves and that we're so caught in shame and disappointment when it doesn't look the way we want to. But I find so much comfort in the fact that when Jesus looks at me, he sees a little girl. Like I feel like I'm still in kindergarten spiritually. Like when Jesus looks at you, he does not look at how much you could offer him, how good you are at something. How He doesn't look at your resume even of how you served him. None of that matters. Because at the end of the day, he's looking into your heart because he does not want employees of his kingdom, but he wants lovers. And I believe that right now that he really wants a space in your heart to go, to go back with you and to strengthen your feeble hands and knees as you go back onto your campus and on into your dorm rooms. And he wants to make you into a lover of Jesus. And so right now, as we go into a time of prayer, right? Can we first and foremost minister to Jesus? I want you guys to imagine, like put yourself in the shoes of Peter. And Jesus is pointing out to you, like I'm sure you guys are so aware of like the sins that you have committed, the, this, even the secret sins in your heart that you feel go against God and you're so disappointed by that. But I just want us to imagine and to really picture Jesus asking you by name because he calls us by name. Picture him calling you by name and saying, do you love me? And as a response, can we just spend time ministering to him and telling him, like, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus, you know everything that I did, but Lord, I love you. And let's right now just pour our hearts of how much we actually love Jesus to him. And for some of you, if you do not feel that you have a love for Jesus, it's okay. It's okay to ask, like, Jesus, I want to want to love you. Jesus, I want to love you. Can you actually show me that I may fall deeply in love with you? Like, I want a love that changes me. I want a love that makes me go crazy for you. Like, I want a love that really brings so much peace and security and joy and hope in my heart. I want that healing kind of love. Yeah, so right now, let's just minister to Jesus.
right now, I want us to picture in our minds our own rooms, the spaces that we go most often on campus, and even the rooms that we have with our families and back at home. And I want you guys to start inviting the presence of God into that place. And really asking, Lord, I can't do it on my own. God, I have all these desires to serve you and to love on you, but God, I can't do it on my own. So God, could you come into all of these spaces? Go before me and prepare that space. God, help me to have a secret place with you. Lord, where your presence overwhelms me and you speak to me when no one is looking and that my heart grows more and more in love with you in that place. So yeah, right now, let's just really invite God and the presence of the Lord that we are so, that we have experienced. Invite that presence into your room, into your homes, into your families, even into your classrooms, the sidewalks that you guys walk most often. Ask him, Lord, help me to see you and that you are everywhere, that you are with me. So yeah, right, let's just pray and let's just invite the presence of God. something that yeah so it when I was at my first mission trip the pastor did this like in the last day he did this thing where he was like he asked everyone in the room how many of you guys want to read the Bible like one chapter of the Bible a day 
And people raised their hand. And then, and then he was like, how many of you guys want to commit to reading three chapters of the Bible every day? And like people would raise their hand. And then I raised my hand for five chapters of, of the Bible, five chapters in the Bible every single day. And I remember he, was, he said like, give your commitment to God. Like commit yourself to God. Make a commitment and keep it. Because that's how God disciplines you. Like we're so used to in this world, like giving false promises, right? Like we give, it's so easy. Yeah, like, oh my gosh, hit me up. Like, I'm always be open to eat with you. But when they really do, you're like, oh, I really don't want to, right? Like, we're so used to giving false promises. But I remember, like, at the time, I was so challenged to actually make a commitment to God and keep it. And the word is so important. And I know we talk about intimacy and secret place, but you cannot have intimacy without the word of God. Because it, it's the words of God. It's his love letter to his people. The entire word, the Bible from front, from front to end is all meant to point to Jesus. And it's so crazy when you read the word with the Holy Spirit. It like, it, it just changes you like the words come alive like you just start remembering verses and you start living by them and in this book called like screw tape letters the the way that basically all of us we live in the physical world but there's a spiritual world that we don't know about that the enemy does not want us to grow in intimacy with god the enemy does not want us to grow closer with him. And that's why even though salvation is free, like intimacy costs everything. And so as you're blessed, the enemy will try even harder to steal those blessings. Like that, that pastor at that mission, like that missions always was like, after you get so blessed at a retreat, you'll probably go home and like a guy or girl that you think is really cute, like all, all of a sudden comes up to you and says hi. Like that actually could be spiritual warfare because they're taking, they're taking away the blessings that you, and even like your desire to like commit to God, right? And so, but in that book, in the screw tape letter, what C.S. Lewis says is that when a Christian is so in the word, the enemy and the demons cannot see them anymore because they're covered by a cloud. When someone is so deep in the word and they're so in tune with the, with the word of God and their heart is being so softened and changed by the word of God, it's so hard for the enemy to come against you because you're living in truth. And so I want to, it's weird, I know, but I want us to actually right now in our hearts make a commitment to God, especially with the Word of God. And it's, I know it's like the Bible could seem so boring, but as I had faith that as I make this commitment to the Lord, He will honor it and He will bless me, He really did. Like, this is really TMI, but I, after I broke up with this ex-boyfriend of mine, I made a commitment to not date for two years. And he blessed me like crazy during those two years. And I'm not done with the two years yet. And recently, I've been getting hit with so many temptations, right? But when I pray about it, what God says to me is, Sophia, I'm so pleased with your heart that you want to make this kind of commitment to me. And when I hear he's pleased with me, it just makes me want to go even harder. It makes me want to just run even harder. So yeah, right now, can we make a commitment to him? And I'm going to ask 
Who wants to commit like reading one chapter of the Bible every day and and three chapters and five chapters? And I invite you guys to actually stand up as a sign of your commitment to the Lord. No one is judging you. Like no one is keeping track. Ah, you said you stood up for five, but you actually didn't read five, right? But no one, like no one cares. But as your sign and commitment to the Lord, yeah, I want to invite this space for us to actually make a commitment to him that we will spend time in the word and we will actually spend time and surrender our idol of even time to, to a way for us to get closer to him. So right now, if you are committing to reading one chapter of the Bible a day, if you can stand and make your commitment to him, praise God. And for those who want to commit three chapters of the Bible a day, please stand. For those who want to commit five chapters of the Bible, every single day, please stand. No, stay standing. <laughs> Just because you uh, stood up for one doesn't mean you have to come back down. Um, if any of you guys want to commit more, someone to 10, he got so blessed, <laughs> but I couldn't do it. I was real with myself, right? But if you think you can commit and you want to, then also stand. And for those who aren't standing, I want us to go and actually pray for those who are standing. Yeah, if you're still sitting, and if you need time to pray with God, then amen. But yeah, if you feel that, if you feel in your heart you're able, then I want us to go and pray for those who are standing. Because yeah, guys, we're all in this together. LGM is being so blessed with how much it's growing. And for me, when I committed to five chapters a day, I did it with my friends. And we text each other every day. I read five. I couldn't read five today. And it's okay if you can't because God is so patient with you. But let's say in the times that you fail, the, in, the instinct is for us to just give up the whole thing, right? But in those instances, can we remember Jesus is asking us, do you love me? And in those moments, can we go get back on our feet and just start all over or just start again from where you left off? So yeah, right now, yeah, if you guys want to pair up with people, like with the people around you, let's just pray together as one body. And as we commit ourselves to going deeper within the word of God, and as we go deeper and in our commitment to the secret place and to intimacy with Jesus. And yeah, for ourselves, that's also just as a declaration of our commitment, give that commitment to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I'm so weak. My attention span is so short. But I want to make this commitment to you. So God, could you honor me? Could you honor me as I make this commitment to you? So yeah, let's spend some time in prayer and then we can close with worship.